And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And I want you to just spend a second on that this morning. I want you to see that. Jesus Christ is totally sovereign. You may be sitting here today and you've heard the name Jesus Christ. You've heard of him coming. You've never thought of him in that sense. All authority. There is no exception. He defines it in heaven or on earth. Over the angels, over all that are in heaven, over all that are in the earth, all authority has been given to Jesus. Why? Because he is the son who God loved, who sent, was sent here for a purpose. He is God, very God. And whether you bow the knee to Jesus Christ now, I guarantee you, as sure as you will die, you will bow your knee to Jesus Christ one day and say that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he says that. But while he's living here in a resurrected body, he says, all authority has been given to me. It's an unrestricted, universal authority given to, given to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the one sacrifice sent by God. May no mistake about it. He is an authority. And as the one in authority, based upon that authority and his position, verse 18, he gives instruction to his disciples who he is leaving here on earth to carry on a ministry. And the task of the marching orders, if you were, will, are this. It is not programs. People are all about programs today. Listen. You will notice in a second, it is not about sending missionaries all over the world. Now that may be something that is a problem for you. But he doesn't say that. It is not about planting churches, including this church. We have been used by God to start other works. And since we've been involved in that ministry since its foundation, I hear nothing more today than about planting churches. There is nothing about planting churches in this message. Nothing about planting churches in this instruction. It is nothing about entertainment or music. It is nothing about establishing denominations on the earth for the satisfaction of people who will be happy with it. Listen, there is nothing in this message about getting a mere profession of faith out of somebody to get them to raise a hand or to go march down an aisle. Nothing then what is given? The main verb in 19, verse 19, isn't even go, like it looks like in the English. I'll come back to that. It says, go therefore and make disciples. That is the message. The message for the church today, the message for you sitting in that pew, the message for me and the message for the disciples themselves was go make more disciples. What's a disciple? Go make followers of Jesus, not a raising of a hand, not churchgoers, not missionaries who don't know me. Go make disciples, make learners of Jesus Christ. What is that? It's important because it relates back to the baptisms today. It is a life. It's all about a life, something that, guess what? Talk about discouragement to graduates. You never get out of this school. 
Your only graduation is in heaven with him. And you will be a learner all the rest of your life. If you truly belong to him. This is not just once a raising of a hand. Or once of marching down an aisle and then see you in heaven. That's an unbeliever. That is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's not interested in one act that does not affect the life. He's not interested in the idea of people carrying the title Christian. If you're born in the United States of America, you're considered a Christian. Doesn't matter what denomination you came up under. You talk to people, I was a Christian, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. You've been a sinner all your life. And if you're a Christian, it's only because you came to realize that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life, and you trusted in him. He's not interested in those show of hands and those altar calls. Churches today are pretty bold about the fact of how many conversions they've got, how many churches they've planted, how many missionaries they've sent. And that isn't the instruction that he gave. He says, make disciples. Make them. I've heard so many that I've trusted in Christ. I've visited and I've raised a hand. What have you done since then? Nothing. You call yourself a follower, a disciple? How are we to make those followers? How are we to make it? So the task is to, what? Make disciples. This morning you witnessed seven people making a profession of faith that they are a follower. They are a disciple. They have personally trusted in Jesus Christ. By saying that publicly, they have announced to you that they are no longer their own. And listen, if you've been coming to this church for 51 years and you've made a profession of faith, and that's all you've made, you better examine yourself today. Because it's not about attending Fellowship Bible Church. It's not about making a mere profession, and then my life is mine. How do they make disciples? He tells them, three participles. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. His instruction on how to do it is three things. Go, baptize, and teach. Go. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say come to church. Uh-oh. That means Pastor Dan is sending everyone, I don't need to go to church anymore. No. But listen, folks, I want you to catch this. If you are a disciple to begin with, the charge is to you to go. It is to me to go. It is individual. It is our responsibility to go and to bring the good news. And I'll get into that in a second. How do you make a disciple of Christ? You don't make a disciple of Christ by not going. You have to go. In fact, the idea here is as you're going, make disciples. As we are living in this world since we belong to Christ, Every single one of us that profess Christ have the responsibility of going. This isn't an idea, come to church and we'll get you saved. 
This is you going and being a testimony for Christ and you going in the community and in your neighborhoods and where you work if you belong to Christ and you going with the message. What is the scope of it? Individually, there to go. What is the target? It's a major change. Look at what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of who? Help me. All the nations. There isn't a place that we're not to go. Jew? Yes. Gentile? Yes. Muslim? Yes. Roman Catholic? Yes. Baptist? Yes. Congregationalist? Yes. Atheist? Yes. Go to the entire nations. Now you say, well, that's obvious. Really? It's different. Look in Matthew chapter 10 for just a second. I want you to see this just in Matthew. Go to chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, this very book, these 12, now there's only 11 at the end. I gave you the background. Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And if you were to continue through Matthew and you get into chapter 15, you'd find out that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. I didn't come to the other nations. I came to the Jews. By the time you come to the end of the book, something's changed. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's proved himself as the Messiah. And the assignment is different. Now my disciples, you 11 who I restricted you to the Jews, they rejected it. Now you go to the nations. Go everywhere. Let them all know. Your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your fellow workers, they all need to know. Well, I better bring them to church. You go. It starts with someone who is a disciple. Why? Because all are dead. According to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, it says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Folks... <laughs> Don't tell me you're not somewhat aware of what's going on in the news in the world you're living in. You can't pick up a newspaper, go on the internet, pick up, uh, look on the TV set, look on your watches or your eyeglasses or wherever else they've got everything recorded today. And, and you can't just see what? Murder. Hatred. Look at what just went on with Planned Parenthood that's, that's been seen. Look at, I, gave, I came back to give a message a few weeks ago on the decision that was made in this nation by the Supreme Court. Look at what is going on in the world around you. Do you really think there's no sin? You don't want to talk about sin? How can you ignore it? The murder, the hatred, it's all around us. They're all dead in their trespasses and sins and don't know it. As you just sang, they're blinded by their sin. And so how do we make disciples? Well. First of all, we need to go with what? The good news. That's where the gospel comes in. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. What does this world need? Let me ask you something honestly this morning as you sit there. I don't care how long you've been coming to the church, whether today's the first time you've ever entered these doors or whether you've been coming in the 51 years you've been here. Answer something honestly in your own heart. Do you really know the true living God. Do you? Honestly, in your heart, do you know who he is? There's a lot of people 
that talk about God. And I know God and I prayed to God. You heard some of those things today. People knew about God. People grew up in Christian homes. Different types of testimonies were given. But do you really know him? Or is he just someone that's out there and it doesn't matter what the religion? If God is God, I need to know the one true living God. Why? Because my eternity rests in it. Your eternity rests in it. You're going to die. And if you're, are you sure that if you died today, and it can happen, right down this corner a few years back, an intersection down here, someone left church and got killed in a car accident. It wasn't this church, it was another church. That can happen today to you. Do you know you'll be in heaven? You say, nobody can know that. Oh, yes, you can. Because God so loved you, he realized, do you really think the good news is what you're seeing in Iraq and Iran and Greece and the United States of America and in your own personal life that you fight with every day? Is that the hope you have? The good news is that Jesus Christ loved us while we were enemies, while we were sinners, while we hated him, and he still came and he died on the cross to pay the penalty and price for our sin. That's the good news. The world needs that. The world needs to hear. Go to Acts chapter 14 for one minute, those of you that have a Bible. You see? In Acts chapter 14, let me just hit this quickly. Verse 7 says this. And they continued to preach the gospel. What were they preaching? As they were going, what were they doing? They were giving the good news. I got good news for you. You see the world, are you really resting in the economy? Are you resting in contracts, negotiations, our leadership, your goodness to get to heaven? You're in trouble. The good news is the gospel. In verse 21 of the same chapter, it says the same thing. After they had preached the gospel to the city, and made many disciples. How did they make many disciples? They did it by preaching the gospel. Why? Because people need to know that Jesus Christ is just not some historical figure. He's not just someone who came and lived and died on a cross. But he's personal. It's a personal application. I can't save you. You can't save me. No church can save you. No denomination in the world can save you. No religion can save you. Only God himself. And he did it by sending his son Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said in chapter 1 of the book of Romans this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news. That's what people need to hear. People are dying for good news, and so are you. That satisfies the soul, not just the emotions for the moment. So that when I lay down at night, I can be sure that if I don't wake up in the morning, I know I'm going to be in the presence of God. Not because of who I am, because of who he is and what he's done. And I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what these people pers uh, professed. You heard it. One got baptized a second time because he had basically made other people satisfied by just saying, yeah, I guess I'm saved. People grew up in Christian homes, non-Christian homes. You heard that today. And it isn't until the personal application of understanding that Jesus Christ died 
paid the penalty for price of sin, and I place my faith in that work. You notice that I asked every one of the candidates. Their testimonies were different, but every one of them. Were they trust, trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone? Because that's where the good news is. What is the evidence? So we ought to go. Go with what? Go with the good news. This world is dying for that news. It's not going to come with bailing out Greece. It's not going to come with even arming our soldiers, which should be done. It's not going to come from a peace treaty with Iran or Iraq. That's not good news at all. In fact, that's bad news. It's not going to come from you or from me. Because while we might not go out and commit murder, we do it in our heart. Hatred, envy, wickedness. And God sees the heart. We need to go with the good news that all the sinners are going to come short of the glory of God. But God's grace is greater than all our sin. I referred to that earlier. And that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. The debt has been paid. I couldn't pay it. And then what's the second thing we're to do? Would you witness today? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now what is this baptism? I believe one of the candidates said it, or two of the candidates said it. This was not what saved them. I grew up in this area, for those of you that don't know it. I grew up in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I also grew up in a Roman Catholic family. I was baptized as an infant. Never remembered it. I probably cried when the water was dumped on my head. I'm guessing. I don't know. I have to go back and ask somebody. And people stood by me as godparents and stuff like that, and who knows where they are now. I don't know. But, it, but the, what was all of that? Did that save my soul? No. Did I grow up understanding that Christmas was real and that Jesus Christ came? And did I believe that uh, the resurrection was real? Then Easter should be a celebration of the resurrection of Christ? Yes, but I didn't know him. Did I believe that he died on the cross for sin? Yes. Well, then I was saved. No, I wasn't. Why? Because I was still basing it upon, I hope I can get to heaven if my works are good enough. If I just kind enough, hopefully that scale will get there. The scale's against you, folks. It only takes one sin to keep you out of heaven. End of story. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. He didn't come to die so that I could admire him, believe in him, and then try to earn my way to heaven, you won't find a verse of scripture that will tell you that. Jesus Christ said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So what's this baptism all about? The true baptism that takes place is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we are placed into the body of Christ when a person exercises their faith, their personal faith, not their fathers, their mothers, their brothers, their sisters, their personal faith in Jesus Christ. And when that is done, they are placed into the family of God and they are spiritually baptized. What you witnessed today was just an outward visual aid, as two candidates said, that is the evidence of what has already taken place in the heart. They have just publicly announced. I read Romans earlier to you because of time, I won't be able to go back there. But in the book of Romans, that's what it basically refers to. 
We died with Christ. That's the idea of going under the water, death. We've risen with Christ, and now there's a new life. Their life is now committed to Christ. <clears throat> Will they be perfect? No. But are they condemned? No. But if you sit here today and you're resting in your own goodness or you're resting in any religion or any priest or any church or anything else other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you are condemned to hell. Now, that's not a message that you're getting out in the world, but it's the message that you need for your soul. Because when you by faith come to Christ and say, I am nothing, but I accept your son, that is when salvation takes place. That is how disciples, we are not saved by good works. We are not saved by earning it, but by obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, all authority is given to me. And with that authority, here's your message. Go make disciples, followers of Christ as you're going, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By the way, people have wondered about the Trinity. It's right there. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all together. They're all part of this. And then finally, the third possible was teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. <clears throat> and you know, very, very few churches see that mission today. They want professions of faith. So do we. But we want real ones. We want real disciples. People that are following Christ. We don't want babes in Christ. We want people that are growing. People that are maturing. How many just want to see their children stay babies all their life? Some parents sometimes treat it that way. They just don't want to let the little one go. But whether you want to or not, they're going to grow. And you had better prepare them for life. You better prepare them for what they're going to need. You want to see them mature and you want to see them grow. That is part of our responsibility. Jesus Christ didn't just call 12 disciples and say, I'm the Messiah, have a great time, go your way. He took the time to instruct them about the kingdom of God, how to live, how to identify with people, what message comes from God. And we have a responsibility, we all do, because of the instruction of Jesus Christ to go make disciples. And you do that by going with the gospel, by having them follow through on baptism, and then by teaching them and instructing them so that they can mature and know how to be a good employer, a good employee, a good husband, a good wife, a good child, a good supporter at work, a good neighbor. Not in the sense of achieving goodness with God, but of representing Christ to the world. And that takes instruction. And that's why the church is really here. It's not really to build other churches. If that happens as a byproduct, fine. To send missionaries, God will do that. He will send them out. To get people to come to Christ, yes. But you know what? Sometimes, no matter what the theology is, sometimes the evangelicals get the idea of, I understand the going, go, 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 give the gospel, 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 and they're doing all the work. And then you get the others who basically understand sovereignty, and they, God's going to do what he will anyway, and they don't do anything. The instructions to the church is go. Make disciples. And that is your instruction today as a believer. And then baptism is to take place. So what is the good news? What are these seven candidates that came forth today saying to you? Every single one of them had a point in time in their life in which they realized, you know what? I don't know the real, true, living God. I am a sinner. 
and Jesus Christ is the way. And they all said that they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, what do we mean by accepting Jesus? Is believing on him. Believing that that is God's provision for salvation, and it is the only one. When you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is then and there that you not only become a child of God, a true child of God, but you are passed from death unto life. That you have eternal life. That you have been forgiven. That there's no longer any condemnation. That you're a child of God and you will know the one true living God. People asked one time in the Gospel of John, what do I have to do to do the works of God? Just tell me, what is the works of God? Jesus Christ said this. This is the work of God. That you believe on him who he had sent. It is faith. You say, I have faith. Is it faith that just God exists? Is it faith in yourself? Is it faith in your church? Is it faith in some denomination? Or is it faith in the one that Jesus Christ, the one true Savior, Jesus Christ, who God sent? Listen again to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There is nothing about commandments. There is nothing about baptism. There is nothing about ordinances. This baptism didn't save anyone. They were saved before they got wet. They are just testifying to the fact that they've trusted in Jesus Christ. Have you? If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, I guarantee you this without even knowing you. You don't know the one true living God. You might think you do, but in your heart you know you don't. But when you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you pass from death into life, you truly do come to know the one true living God and love him and become a disciple, one who wants to follow him all the days of your life. I trust that God's been working in your heart and if you don't know him, that you won't let this day pass. Your eternity rests in the balance. Not in religion, but in the faith of the one that God sent who died for sin so that you can have the gift of eternal life. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for these candidates. We're excited for them. And I truly pray that you'd help them to continue to follow Christ as they've publicly testified to trusting in Jesus for salvation, help them to grow, help them to mature, help them to continue to gain instruction. And I pray for those of us who know Christ, that you'd help us to be going. Many of us aren't even going. That, Father, we would be involved in seeing people get baptized, and we would be involved in teaching. Father, help us to be making disciples, not professions of faith not carried about with all the peripheral things that the church gets caught up in, families get caught up in. But help us to do the thing that you've instructed your disciples to do and the paperwork and the commands for the church, and that is to go make disciples of all nations. Help us to be busy doing that under your instruction with all the authority that you have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Chris.